keep this music in your head. Once you've heard it, it's hard not to. That's why we use it as the theme for Doris Visits. It's happy. It makes you move and want to go on holiday. Thanks for joining us on Cruising with Doris Visits, especially if you're not a cruiser. We love it that non-cruisers like the show, follow our travels and explaining how the ship works. Well, kind of. I can't explain the navigational control from Miami that keeps the ship en route by connecting to multiple satellites. But maybe we'll find someone who can. We'll probably explain the can-can first. (laughs) We do aim to make every show different and discover a new place or how this massive hotel at sea works. That is what they are. And by size, some of the biggest hotels in the world are cruise ships. And the difference is, at sea, they have a higher occupancy rate. That means the rooms are full for more of the time. And guests eat in the hotel morning, noon and night. And between meals. No. Do you not have a sneaky scone and cream in the afternoon? I do. And sometimes it's amazeball. You mean like on the Cunard ship, where in the afternoon they set the tables out on the ballroom floor with white cloths and silverware just to have waiters bring you cut sandwiches, tea and cakes? Yep, then they clear it away as quick as they can and prepare for dinner. That's not all ships, to be clear. Ships are as different as chalk and cheese. And here we go, compare. I like what you did there. I'd like his fee for that commercial. We go, compare, and don't pass opinions or criticise. The Doris Visit chat groups are all no-moaning sites. Safe places to discuss your ship and holiday, but not to moan or weaponise. If you don't like a cruise, you may have just chosen the wrong ship. Some ships are budget, and some ships are grand. More expensive. Maybe, but as some expensive ships say... Look what they include, and look what others leave for you to pay for, should you want it. Yeah, cruising's a choice, and two close friends of ours, who were always keen to hear of our adventures, decided to book a cruise. Oh dear, is this a story of it all going wrong? Yep, they decided to cruise and took the opportunity to use all the club card, free green stamps, or whatever it is they had, to exchange them for a free cruise. Oh dear. They hated it. Because? Well, they're a little rock and roll and love Formula One, but are not into casinos, the relaxed dresswear, buffet food and smoking on board. It was a free cruise. They'll never cruise again. So what are the factors that help you choose your ship? Entertainment is a massive thing and most ships have theatres. And when we say theatres, we mean West End or Broadway standard theatres, as that is where we work. So, looking at the expected level of entertainment on stage is an indicator. Oh yeah, this has been a year of extremes for me in that area. Are you impressed? Musically, what I saw on the Queen Mary 2, I'd have been impressed if I'd have seen that anywhere on land. I saw a 17-piece orchestra of live musicians on stage playing to an 80-piece recorded orchestra recorded at the Albert Hall for Cunard. That was on the huge LED screen at the back of the stage behind them. Oh, and then that 17-piece orchestra did a Beatles set. They played backed by a 60-piece orchestra that Cunard had filmed and recorded at Abbey Road. So here's the thing. While that was happening, there was still a pianist in the lounge, a duo in the pub a band in the ballroom, a jazz trio in the bar, and a dance band and a DJ in the nightclub 32. 
Yeah, but that wasn't on loyalty stamps. That's a little bit more expensive. And you do have a compulsory tip on almost everything. But The other extreme was that we started the year on an all-inclusive ship, where a good act went on that stage to be backed by just a trio. So, one isn't better than the other. They just offer a different service. Each has their own fans. So, on our chat sites, we suggest don't moan, don't complain, but find the right ship and go on the route you want to. So, today, we're talking music. How is it made and how does it work on the ship stage? Let's start with something you're all familiar with. Mark Blackledge is our composer. He has his own studio that is wired for 40 musicians and he makes music for films. When we say films, I mean movies. He did the Nativity series of films. He's worked for Disney and composed three of my films and your TV series as well. And we use his music on Doris Visits. His violin concerto is behind our serious films like, I think it's behind Troy, uh, the ruins there. And the fun theme is everywhere else. But he also records backing tracks for the stage acts you see at sea and... Music for theatre. Recognise it. Do you recognise this? So, Mark, how do you think of the tune when you? Well, I don't do you, think really. It's the main thing. You just play around at the piano till it yeah, comes. Yeah, with shades. Buster, the director, just wanted something contemporary. Yeah. And he quoted sort of dance music, which we have done before on the floor. And normally, dance would be quite major but taking that as a basis a little bit of intrigue in the minor key moving to losing it's that simple really how long have you been composing 35 years 30 35 years and what's your favorite thing to compose for orchestra orchestra do you ever get like you know writers get a writer's block and they just can't you don't you never get that well, I'm not writing music for me. I'm writing music for you or for Stuart or Buster, and they've got a specific brief. You can't, yeah. There's no block because they're telling you what you want. And very often, here's the picture, and here's the, here's the drama, in it, and this is the emotion we want. Do you hear it in your head before you play it, or do you yeah. tinker about? And, so you, you know the kind of thing you want, and then you play it, or yeah. do you...? I hear colour. Do you? Yeah, I, I hear the colour that I want to put on it and then you get that colour from the harmony and then if you're going to write melody, which sometimes you need to do, then that's a shape. So Mark's also composed for Stuart before for films. What was the first one? That was Devil's Game, wasn't it? I met you in Soho when you were talking about a film, Joe Macbeth. Wow, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. and then you did Freight a couple of years after that, I think. We're saying that the um, I didn't write it at the piano. Yeah. And so the, the immediate sound that came out was the pizzicato strings. Wow. So can that it's sound? It's a bit more dancey. I just remember that little part I put in at the end was having worked with you on Buller Quo. They very often jump, 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 is their kind of stock rhythm yeah. on guitars, yeah. isn't it? Which is why I put that. It was just in my mind here. It's a kind of status quo thing, isn't it? I love that. It's almost, yeah. it's got very sort of desperate housewives, very sort of. So now let's go and see what's going to happen next. Yeah, desperate housewives was a lot of sort yeah. of. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, all that creeping about. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Do you normally sort of watch things on, on your screen there when you're composing? Yes. How long would it take to, to score a film? Score a film. It'd be nice to have six weeks, but you often get two, three weeks. Really? So that must be lots of long days. Yeah, yeah. I want you to think how you work or go about your business. What tools do you need to work? To cook? To compute? Or is it a chair you need to help you be mobile? What if those tools were taken away or might not be there? Think about a singer going onto a ship to sing top-level material. How do they trust the tools, the musicians? The musicians are great. They are fantastic. But they need a click track to guide them through the act. And every day to them is a new act. By the way, I didn't mean to say that the musicians were tools. We've got some very good friends who are musicians. They are tools. (laughs) Mark builds very orchestrated backing tracks. Some use choirs or backing vocals. A backing track works with the onstage three, five or seven musicians that lead the show. The click track means the singer's tools are consistent from ship to ship or language to language. Although Mark doesn't play or conduct on a ship, this young lady does. She both records backing tracks at her studio on land, works with the ship's production companies on land, works in West End theatres and goes to ships as a visiting or deputising musical director. Joe, first off, what is a click track? What is a click track? So when an artist gets on a ship, um, sometimes they get on with what we would call their charts. So that's that's their music written down for us. Um, and we work and we play entirely live. So it might be piano based drums. It might be piano based drums and some horns, guitar. So we would just work from that. But a click track is something that also plays alongside the live musician. So it enhances and augments the instrumentation. So in fact, I'm making some click tracks today. And that's about using samples, electronic sounds, or sometimes it can be live instruments to create a track that augments the sound that the audience hears. And often the audience wouldn't realise that it's playing. So why is it called a click track and we hear no click? What you hear as an audience out the front is just the instruments. But for us, when we're playing, we wear something called in-ears, which are essentially headphones. Um, And in our ears, we hear the click, which is the metronome that keeps us in time. We also hear all the extra instruments that you're hearing. But that's why it's called a click track, because the click sound. Is it every day is another artist and another list of songs? How does it work? Uh, When the guest act gets on the ship, they'll obviously have their schedule and they might be doing two shows during that cruise. So normally the day before their performance, you'll be given the music for their show. Um, So you've got some time to look at that ahead of the rehearsal. And then on the show day, you'll have a rehearsal with with the guest act and the band. And that might last for 45 minutes or an hour, which is just an opportunity for you all to go through the music, check that everyone's happy. um, And then you play the show. And then the next day you move on to the next guest act and so on and so forth. So you only get an hour to rehearse with either a Pavarotti or a Tina Turner tribute or whatever. You must have to be really good at reading music. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to you've got to be a secure reader because you get thrown all sorts of different charts. Um, so sometimes it might just be chord symbols. Sometimes it might be fully written out. Um, and if it's chord symbols, that's where having a really good listening knowledge is really helpful. So if you've, li- if you've listened to loads of different styles of music, you kind of know what you need to play. So absolutely, you've got to be a confident reader. So that's that's how the guest acts work. Um, and then 
The other stuff you do on the ship, you might play um, as a trio in the restaurant or the lounge, and that's more of a jazz set. So you need to be able to play jazz as well. You have to play everything. Absolutely. Yeah. You've, and you've got to be willing, I think, to, to have a go at all the things that get thrown at you. Um, as a pianist on a cruise ship, certainly on the saga ships, you also play for church once a week. So you need to be able to read and play the hymns that are required. What's your background, Joe? Tell us about your training. So a very long time ago now, um, I did a degree in music performance. Um, I actually trained as a saxophonist, not as a pianist, um, but I'd always played the piano and after I graduated, played more and more piano and got into musical direction and carried on doing that. I then did a master's in popular music research, which gave a whole nother angle to, to the work that I did. Besides the piano, what other instruments do you play? Yeah, so I trained as a saxophonist, so I play saxophone. I also play the clarinet and the flute. But these days, most of my work is on the piano and keyboards. I bet when you train, you don't think, oh, I must go and work on a ship. But it is one of the biggest employers. Do you know what? I thought you would say that. Tell us about the unexpected benefits of playing on a ship. Having done a few now, the, the unexpected bonus of being on a ship is the people you meet and was certainly something I hadn't really thought about when I got on. I thought, I'm just going to get on and play the piano. That's going to be a lovely time. I hadn't at all factored in that I would meet people that would be fascinating. So I've met loads of really interesting people. And I think that's that's the really lovely thing about working on a ship. They're people that you would never normally meet. Meeting, meeting Ken Lennox was, was an unexpected, um, interesting encounter. I mean, when else would you meet a royal photographer with that kind of that kind of career? Not just as a royal photographer, but in every other facet of photography you can imagine. I've met you and Stuart. That was very interesting. I hadn't expected that either. We love meeting you too. And Ken Lennox is a joy, isn't he? Amazing. We've got Roy Lock on next. Oh, Roy's a joy to work with. So um, Roy was on for the first contract that I did and we did two shows together. So Roy's a joy to play for, for me, because he does loads of kind of old school musical theatre, which I absolutely love. Um, he also does some more classical repertoire. So, so working with him was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And he's a really nice guy as well. Thank you so much, Joe. A real pleasure. And we look forward to working with you again on another ship. Thanks, Joe. That was musical director Joanne King, or as she's known, Joe King. Many people back home will do amateur stuff and have a great connection with the arts, but may only meet and rehearse for a couple of hours for a few nights a week, but for months. It does seem a shock that an act goes on with a band after a quick hello and under an hour's rehearsal. It's just like actors on films. Turn up do their day's work by saying their lines and leave. Ship musicians work there 40 hours a week either in the lounge, the bar, the theatre or around the pool. Now, do I see a first-class West End tenor on a very nice ship? Well, you lovely people at Doris Visits, it's Roy Locke here and I'm here at the beautiful Queen Elizabeth, one of my favourite ships. It's nice to be back on Cunard after the lockdown. I've got to say the decor here is fabulous. Let me give you a little tour. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. Looks a bit like my living room at home. Roy, help us imagine the theatre where you perform. Isn't this amazing? If you're really posh, you can go and sit up in the balconies. Um, good, proper-sized theatre. Excellent stage. It's just a real pleasure to perform here, and especially 
you've got all the lovely people on the balconies up there. So when you're performing, you have to make sure you don't leave anybody out. I hope you come and enjoy this lovely ship with me one day, actually. Ships or West End stage? Do you have a good time at sea? I've had a great time entertaining all the lovely people here um, on this last cruise. I'd love to sit you down for an interview, uh, but before you go, and I know Wi-Fi is a premium where you are, what special songs or shows do the public love you to sing? I found particularly they've enjoyed a bit of Phantom. Who doesn't love a bit of Phantom? Now, Roy's off to meet a tricky connection to another ship, and connections can be tough. Yeah, we forgot to tell that story about missing a ship. We've not missed a ship. Very nearly a few times. My old dad used to say, a miss is as good as a mile, meaning if you just caught it, well, you've caught it. But the ship doesn't wait. And we were going to tell you a horror story when we did our Pearl Harbour piece, but there wasn't time. So let's make time. You can start this horror story. Once upon a time, we were in Oahu, which is in the Pacific, about halfway between mainland United States and Japan. To put this into perspective, it's about nine days' sail with no land from Panama to Hawaii. The Pacific is huge, which is why I wrote Cruise Ship Serial Killer on that route. Well, to Tahiti, but similar distances, because there is nothing. Any land is either days forward or days backwards. So if a serial killer starts on board, there is a panic. One person a night is murdered. And it gets worse. Of course. It's fiction. Hawaii is a state of America. The buses run like clockwork. Everyone is helpful and they speak English. So really, there's no excuse to miss the ship. But someone did? Yeah, a couple missed the ship. And the next stop? Well, it doesn't matter where the next stop is. You have to get there to meet the ship. They had to fly inland, back, then to another major airport that served the island they could meet us at. <laughs> because it was a small remote Pacific island. Yes, three flights and days. Wow, that is not a good story. Oh, I haven't started yet. Really? They didn't get to the island? Oh, yeah, they did. But? There was a storm and the ship couldn't dock. Sailed straight past. Did they wave at them? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't see the island. So they had to fly to the next island. But first, they had to fly back to the main airport and make a choice where to go. Just in case the ship didn't make the island? Sure. They chose not to risk the next island as the weather was still bad. I remember missing all the scheduled Pacific islands and stopping at New Caledonia instead. Well, they wouldn't have been there. So where did they go? They flew to Australia. I remember the weather was so bad, we stayed in Sydney for three days, and that will have been very expensive. So as you can see, cabaret spend their lives making those kind of journeys. And sometimes they fly somewhere just to be on a ship for a few days. Meet a good friend of ours, David MacArthur, who is a concert pianist, who is travelling with his grown-up daughter when we last worked with him. And... He asked me to film his act. Thank you very much indeed, and a very good evening to you one and all. It is uh, good to be with you and to share at least part of your, your voice with you. I came on, as you would know, in Bermuda, and I leave you in Miami. And in that uh, time, I shall think of four different uh, concerts for you. To get underway uh, this evening, uh, I want to start uh, with music by Bach. Uh, 
with pianists, when we have a great problem with knowing uh, almost where to begin because the piano repertoire is absolutely massive. Well, they say that the beginning is a good place to start, and uh, in terms of classical music, uh, very often that is considered to mean Bach. And by happy coincidence, piano was actually invented as an instrument during uh, Bach's lifetime. However, having said that, Bach didn't specifically write for the piano. He preferred to write for the better established keyboard instruments of the time, such as the organ or the harpsichord. So I want to start actually with a transcription, and it's a transcription of one of his orchestral pieces, or to be more accurate, of part of one of his orchestral pieces. It is the um, air from the suite in D, the orchestral suite in D. It uh, very often is referred to as the air in the G string, and if you have a sufficiently long memory, you will probably also associate it with the uh, Hamlet Cigar Arts. <laughs> David MacArthur was playing in the lounge on the Ventura, and the lounges on the Azura and the Ventura are possibly my favourite. Your office. Yes, that is where I sit on sea days and either edit a port guide film that we've made or write. And I am going to write a seventh book in the cruise ship crime investigators series. On some ships, the cinema, if they have one, or a lecture room is often used for an afternoon recital. That is either a two-piece like piano and flute, violin or cello, or classical guitar. I've often performed my monologue of Lily Langtree in that spot in the ship's programme. What next? David. On the subject of music, I asked the surgeon if I would be able to play the piano after the surgery on my hand. Of course you will, he answered. That's fantastic. I blurted out. I've never been able to play the piano before. (laughs) Well, anyway, let me ask you. What have you never been able to do that you've always wanted to? You see, on some of the cruises we've been on, there have been some amazing classes to teach us how to do something for the first time. Things such as art, watercolours and such like, crafts, card games such as bridge, even learning how to play the ukulele. The presentations that I do on cruises are all about making technology easy. It's ideal for anyone who thinks technology has left them behind. That's why I call them Tech It Easy. Nice play on words. What we do is we take anything techy and we strip away all the gobbledygook. I love hearing people say things like, Wow, I never knew I could do that. It's so easy. But if there's no one on your cruise talking about techie stuff, there's usually someone on board who can help with any techie problems. So if you can't get your phone or your iPad to connect to the Wi-Fi, or if you struggle with all those fancy apps on the cabin television, ask at reception. Someone will be there to walk you through it. Technology is great, and it's there to make life easier and more exciting. Don't believe me? Well, ask the chief engineer what he thinks about technology and watch his eyes light up. Thank you, David. We're up to episode six of Cruise Ship Heist. And if you want to start at the beginning or race ahead, it is read nightly on YouTube and they are way in front of this podcast. That is the At Doris Visits channel on YouTube. 
youtube.com slash the at sign Doris Visits. Each reading of each chapter plays out to mute films of ports. It has a playlist on YouTube, or you can find the links on dorisvisits.com under the podcast menu. Chapter 6. Medical Issue The taxi drivers have all drifted away from the front of the airport, indicating that all the passengers are through and the day's industry has finished. I sense our driver's impatience. Do you normally do the commentary through the Panama Canal? I ask Ronnie. No, why? Sounds like your field, Navy, and I'm hoping that I don't have to do it. I'm the eco-officer on board. I deal with compliance at sea. I do rules and regulations. I don't do shows, she says, smiling. Me neither. I was due to do the Memorial Day service last week. But someone seems to think I might have a few interesting stories, I say, staring at the airport, which is now like a ghost town. Best ones are always the ones you can't talk about. Or don't want to, I add. Why do it if you don't want to? You must be on a handsome pension. They stripped me of that. This could be a new career. You'll do fine. The canal was built by an army of men with big trucks. You've got that down. The rest is on the internet, tank commander. We go, our driver suggests, turning impatiently. We both stand firm. It must be a military thing, not wishing to leave a man behind. When if just given a few minutes more, they might make it. Ship doesn't sail for hours, Ronnie says. The driver relents with a grunt and stands dwarfed between us. A small local man carrying a pegboard of local lottery tickets approaches. I've no idea why he thinks a tourist would buy a ticket he can't collect on. He looks like he needs the money, and I hand him five dollars. But as much as I would like to win a fortune, I don't take a ticket. I'm about to get on a cruise ship and get paid for it. I've never been lucky with money, but my life's not that bad. Our driver shoes the old man away, and we focus on a woman rushing from the building. She pulls a case on wheels and has a large bag trapped under her other arm, like a rugby ball. She powers beyond us, not wanting to stop. That's me, she says, nodding at the driver's sign. Thanks for waiting. Let's keep it moving. The shortest distance between toilets, please. Walking fast, she turns to me. Kieran, right? I nod. You don't look six foot three, though I'll give you the dark, slim, handsome and charismatic bit in your biography. My agent must have written that. In the agent box, it said direct, so I'm guessing you wrote it, she replies, striding even faster. I watch her strange, long double bag on wheels in an ill-fitting cover wobble behind her held only by her squeezing the two handles together. What can be the hurry after being so late? She pushes her carried bag into the arms of the taxi driver, a diva on a mission. She must be an entertainer. Thanks for waiting, Ronnie. Always welcome, Georgie. Of course, these two know each other, their fellow crew. The driver lifts the tailgate and dips down for her bag, but she gets there first. 
the ill-fitting cover is hiding a hard red case on top of a cheaper one. A red case like the one I'd lifted from the overhead locker for the Latina woman, who was arrested. The cover is a disguise. I don't double-take, show surprise, or even skip a breath. Neither does Ronnie, though she may not have noticed if she's a marine biologist. Georgie turns for my case. She's in a hurry, and the driver is confused. I'm not well. Uncontrollable bows. Bows? The shits. For the sake of your vehicle, I suggest the fastest route. I'm curious as to whether dread, fear, and panic are the causes of her medical issue. We mentioned the world cruise. Next week, we're featuring comedians at sea and their lives. And we talked to Phil Melbourne and Taffy Spencer, who we met on a world cruise maybe 20 years ago. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.